everybody. Hi. Welcome. Welcome to Say Smut, a literary podcast for readers and non-readers. Each episode, Sarah will break down the plot of some pretty spicy, fun, wild books to me, Hope Wilson. That's Sarah, and she loves reading. And that's Hope, and she loves talking. And she can read. I just, every time I feel like I need to emphasize... She can, in fact, read. It's not that that's the problem. Um, but she loves these crazy plots and the smut that goes along. And so uh, I just want to start by saying happy pride, everyone. Happy pride. I, I'm proud of you. Yes, we are proud of you. We and are. I just want to make it very, very clear that I should have chosen a pride book for this first one. But we we have some great representation otherwise. More uh pride fitting books to come also obviously more pride fitting books um and but to get us started i want to obviously give our content warning so if you guys want to subscribe and come back for another one because this isn't going to be your cup of tea that's a-okay so this episode is going to have obviously sexual content including the work of a sex worker uh cancer sexual harassment ableism and abandonment so if any of those are concerns to you um oh and i should also say there is anxiety prone situations and so if any of those things are not your thing you can peace out and we'll see you next time yes but to get us started um we are going to be going through the kiss quotient by helen huang and i hope i'm saying that correctly because i did look up a video to make sure i said this name correctly um but The cool thing about this is that it does have the same exact rating on Goodreads and Storygraph, which is a 3.92, which is for a rom-com. I feel like I always try and give rom-coms a little grace because it's kind of like rom-com movies. If if you guys watch a lot of those where these are wacky, funny, unrealistic plots, and then they get kind of a bad rep because they're so unrealistic or corny in some elements. So sometimes they get lower ratings than maybe like more literary pieces or um, serious pieces. So I think that's a pretty good rating. And I have to disclose, I gave this book a five stars when I initially read it. Interesting. In the world of books, uh, do readers turn to one site or the other more often for book reading? Like, do some are some people tried and true good read people, and some people tried and true story graph people, or is it just kind of variable? I I have to say, like, Goodreads is probably the initially like it's the wide known one for sure. Yeah. Storygraph I got into probably about a year ago because it does a lot more data breakdown and less algorithmic friends, friends showing each other what they're reading on their feeds, you know? Yeah. And so Storygraph will break down. This is, you know, you read 30% of your books were serious or 30% of your books were funny this year, or you read 90% nonfiction versus 10%. So it'll break down like more statistics stuff. Whereas Goodreads is more about befriending other people and then having like a news feed that is almost like Facebook. So but some people like rely on Amazon, you know, uh, their rating system because Mm. there's so many people who will read on Kindles and stuff. So right. With that said, I want to talk a little bit about our author, Helen, who this is her first book she ever published. And it's the first of three books. And one thing I love that a lot of rom-coms do when an author is a rom-com writer is that they will have multiple books 
in a series, but they're different couples in the same world, right? Oh, so it's fun. all like it's either a friendship group or like siblings that will happen a lot. So right. this is a situation in which the first book, the guy is related to another guy who has a brother, and like all those three guys have all the three books. Gotcha. Um, and they're all kind gotcha. of and all of her three books has autism representation in them in different forms. Um, and I have read two of her three books and I think she does a very good job of showing different, different people's journeys with autism. You know, somebody who was diagnosed later in life, somebody who was diagnosed earlier in life, so on and so forth. So, um, and our author, Helen, according to a Washington Post article, was diagnosed with um, on the autism spectrum uh, in 2016. And so she is very deliberate about having representation of herself. Um, so before we even get started, I would love for Hope to just kind of break down what is autism spectrum disorder. This is a this is a situation that has been changed multiple times, even throughout my life. My dad works with people with autism and I feel like he's always trying to kind of update me on what the latest changes have been so that we are saying and doing the correct things. Yes. I have a disclaimer to start. Obviously I'm not an authority on really any of the topics that I research as evidenced probably by the research I've presented to you thus far, but this is especially true for this report in particular. So I've pulled uh, information from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, the World Health Organization, the National Institute of Mental Health, and the National Library of Medicine to kind of help shed light on these topics, but absolutely by no means can I speak to the experiences of people in the community. So right off the top, know that that is the case. But I did pull um, as much information as I could on autism spectrum disorder and some specifics as well. Um, as Sarah had mentioned, terminology for, for this has changed over the years. It's pretty common to refer to the autism as a spectrum and being somewhere on that spectrum. Um, it also used to be previously more common for some people to be diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome in particular, which is something that we'll get into in a little bit. But to start, the official term um, that we use now uh, by the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders is Autism Spectrum Disorder, or ASD. The CDC refers to autism spectrum disorder as a developmental disability that's caused by differences in the brain. Um, it refers to a range of conditions, and they're characterized by a variety of different challenges that can include uh, issues with social communication, restricted or repetitive behaviors, uh, speech and nonverbal communication, a variety of different stuff. Um, really, really variable person to person. Uh, research one, indicates, oh, go ahead, Sarah. I just, sorry, I have one question. Yeah. Because when I was growing up, there was always kind of this term that was high functioning and low functioning. Mm -hmm. And then when I was like reading in these books or like even reading online, they don't even use that anymore. Is that correct? I think it varies person to person. Um, there are still publications I found who will refer to people having Asperger's syndrome and that uh, got combined into the general diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder. I think around 2013 is what my research found. Um, there are still references to being high functioning or low functioning. I can't speak to whether that is commonly used still as people are talking about. Yeah. And I know of autism. I know there's some people because I remember there was a time where my dad was very clear, like you say, you know, somebody has autism, you don't say autistic. But then I know that there are people with autism who say, 
no, I want to be referred to as autistic. So I think it is kind of a gauge to, um, of just what people's personal preferences are. And so Mm -hmm. it's always good to just like, if, you know, ask people how they want to be referred, if they bring it up. Um, and so, and how they want to be, how they want it to be discussed. Absolutely. Um, that's absolutely correct. Uh, I'll always do some research. I looked a little bit into uh, some research causes or impacts. Um, research indicates that environmental factors and genetics are involved in the majority of cases. And also uh, children who are born to older parents are at higher risk. If you have a sibling who has autism spectrum disorder, it might be more likely that you have autism spectrum disorder. I want to say this a full one time. And please know that I found this statement across all of every single source that I looked up, the CDC, the World Health Organization, all of them. I'm going to use the wording directly from the CDC. Um, Many studies that have looked into whether there is a relationship between vaccines and autism spectrum disorder uh, have occurred. To date, the studies continue to show that vaccines are not associated with autism spectrum disorder. Amen. Period. Period. We Done. are not scientists, but we trust scientists. Yes. And as oops, I just hit my mic. Sorry, everyone. As somebody who, like I said, my dad works with people with autism. This is something he has like nailed into my head over and over again. That's like, this is not a thing. No. <laughs> Stop saying this. No, there is continuing research into that because there continues to be parental concerns about it. So for the sake of helping parents feel better, research into whether there's a connection continues, but every single organization says that vaccines are not associated with it. So that is the case closed on that. I just closed uh, an invisible book. You did. Moving on. Um, Autism spectrum disorder can manifest in all kinds of ways, as we said, and it will vary person to person. Um, Some ways it may manifest can include not making eye contact, uh, maybe some delays in showing facial expressions or gestures growing up, uh, delays in language or movement or cognitive skills developing as a child, Um, playing in very specific ways and orders is another way it can manifest. There are also some uh, associated physical things that can happen for people who are uh, diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. So there can be gastrointestinal issues, impacted eating and sleeping habits, um, epilepsy or seizure disorders, um, depression, anxiety, all kinds of different stuff. So um, generally speaking, it is a lot to do with speech and development and communication and brain processes, but there can also be other kind of secondary conditions that can be affiliated with it. One term that I feel like is being brought up a lot lately and in the last book that I read, it's not this one, but the other one I read by her, which is the heart principle, they talk a lot about masking, which I think is interesting as somebody who does not have autism, the idea of putting on essentially a front to make sure that you are passing as somebody Mm -hmm. who is not on the spectrum and how doing that too much can result in, I can't remember the exact term, but essentially um, it's called something burnout, but essentially it's because you have been um, masking for so long around people that your body just shuts down. And I cannot imagine she talks about the exhaustion that comes with that how she sleeps for hours and hours and like can barely get out of bed after that and I just can't even imagine 
that type of processing. And so like Hope mentioned, and like it's displayed in these three books, and obviously these three books aren't Bible, but they are the experience of people with autism written by somebody who is on the spectrum. It It is something that manifests in different ways and everybody yes. handles it differently. Absolutely. I've got two other kind of chunks of my research, a little bit more condensed that I'll run through. First, I thought we'd go through some diagnosis and treatment talk that I found. Um, there aren't really medical tests for autism in the way that you would have a COVID test or a strep test or something like that. Um, typically, diagnosis happens based on um, monitoring behavior and development throughout childhood and, and throughout life. Um, some screening can include blood tests and hearing tests. Um, mostly those are to check for some of the secondary and affiliated um, uh, illnesses that can present themselves when you have autism spectrum disorder. Um, but there isn't like a, we do a swab and we find out if you have autism spectrum disorder or not. It's uh, not as simple as that. Um, according to the CDC, autism spectrum disorder typically begins before the age of three. So it can generally be a little bit early. Um, it becomes, uh, it can last throughout a person's life, although some sy symptoms can alleviate over time. Can you hear them being insane? Yes, I am so sorry to interrupt. No, it's fine. But I think for anybody listening, it needs to be known that behind Hope, her two dogs are performing WWE and Holy it is wrestling. hilarious. And I'm trying to take this segment Holy very wrestling. seriously. So I apologize to anybody if you heard me like Don't snickering. Don't even worry about it. If if you're lucky, maybe we'll post the video on our Instagram. Um, later in the episode, towards the end, surprise, we're going to talk about several social media platforms on which you can find us. Surprise. Um, this recording will also be on YouTube. So you can check us out there too. And if you'd like to see my insane dogs be insane, please I enjoy. Mean, I'm going to escort them out of my office. <laughs> They, uh, Ruthie is for sure winning this deal. So you were mentioning, you know, there's, there's not like a certain way of diagnosing and also it typically happens before the age of three, but obviously somebody can be diagnosed at any point in on their lives. Yes, correct. Um, the CDC also says that autism spectrum disorder occurs in all racial uh, and ethnic and socioeconomic groups. Um, though it is uh, more than four times, or it's four times more common in um, boys than girls, typically. Um, in 2023, the CDC reported that approximately one in 36 children in the U.S. are diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. Um, that was according to data that they had found in 2020. Uh, treatment is about as varied as diagnoses are. Obviously, uh, each person has uh, different ex experiences, different symptoms, different uh, associated illnesses. Uh, so how each person is treated will vary as well. But in general, a high or applied behavioral analysis, is, which is a therapy that's based on um, the science of learning behavior. So basically how behavior works and how environment can affect it and how learning takes place. Um, therapies based on those sciences are pretty common interventions. Um, speech and occupational therapy can help as well. Again, could just kind of varies person to person. And yeah. then the, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I have nothing to add there. I don't know why I was like, yeah. yeah like a little, so I was just true. her cheerleader. Yeah. I feel very supported. Yeah. Um, we wanted to talk about Asperger's syndrome in particular. Sarah had asked me to do a little bit of research into this as a subsect. Um, it was previously used uh, as a diagnosis, 
diagnosis on the autism spectrum, but it was consolidated under the umbrella of autism spectrum disorder by the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders. Five, there are many editions, um, in 2013. So in 2013, this publication consolidated it under one general diagnosis. Um, uh, the World Health Organization, I believe, follows suit more recently than that to, to consolidate that as well. But when it was more commonly used, Asperger's syndrome or Asperger's uh, was used to describe uh, basically people who have difficulties in communication and social interactions. Um, it's not super dissimilar from how autism is generally diagnosed, but um, to a refer back to what we had talked about a little bit earlier, as Sarah had mentioned, it would be considered more high functioning. Um, so you may still have sensitivities uh, with social interactions or hypersensitivities in general, difficulty with nonverbal communication. But typically when this was a diagnosis, people who were diagnosed with it showed what uh, doctors would say would be strong verbal language skills and intellectual ability. Um, it was first uh, introduced with the diagnostic criteria in 1989. It was first discussed by a man named Hans Asperger in 1944, and then it took a while for the research to continue and catch on. It's, um, it's always wild to me when we name certain scientific findings off of people, and then that word becomes like a normal, like noun or even adjective right. in day-to-day -day English language. That'll always weird me out. I'm going to be honest. Right. Imagine if I invented something weird and then everybody was just like, you're hoping it. You're hoping it. Well, I mean, Googled became like a verb, True. you know, or like Facebook. Well, no, no. I'm thinking about like Facebook stalking. Sorry. Now I'm going off a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> Back on track. Going on a tangent is is, is having Sarah syndrome. <laughs> I talking mean, too much is having hope syndrome. <laughs> the perfect combination for this podcast. We figured it out. Put it, put in a study, put in a study. Anyway, um, with Asperger's in particular, common therapies, not super dissimilar from autism spectrum disorder, um, include cognitive behavioral therapy, social skills, training, um, speech therapy, if needed, physical and occupational therapy, if needed. Um, another good thing to know is that, um, Psychoactive medicines can be used to help manage associated anxiety and depression, um, attention deficit and hyperactivity disorders, things that can often uh, coincide with a, having autism. Um, that's just another way to kind of ease those symptoms as well. And that wraps up my very long period of research. No, that's that's a wonderful research. And I'm so glad we dove into that because it's so important. And I think as the romance genre is expanding, especially with how quickly people can publish now. And they're seeing that, hey, there's got to be a lot more representation of people who are the main character who feel beautiful and feel sexy and feel confident and aren't necessarily shown in a different light because of different diagnoses or right is that how you say diagnoses anyway yeah. i'm gonna make it a word um but I or different so. characteristics of themselves like i mean we're obviously seeing a lot more plus size representation mental health representation and that shouldn't obviously stop there and so um again one of our goals in this podcast is to expand the diversity and what we're reading and so Let's jump into our plot. Woo! I am ready to jump her hand, in. 
Her hand just jumped in with that little sound. Woo! Okay. Took a dive into the pool of literature, and I'm coming up ready to party. I don't know. Well, we're coming up out of the pool of literature on our first chapter, where our main character Stella Lane is being told by their her parents that they're ready for grandchildren. They're like, oh. okay, you're 30 years old, Stella. We're ready for you to have a meaningful, loving relationship. And we are also ready for grandbabies, which we support women who decide not to have children. But yes. in this case, that is something Stella is interested in. She is not interested in sex, though. Good to please, know. Okay. Please don't also read that as she is a virgin. She does make it clear she's had three sexual experiences, all of which were not fun, but consensual and um, just... Valid. She did not enjoy the experience. So, like, even in the first chapter, she's saying, okay, like, yes, I would love to have a boyfriend. But at the same time, I'd also love to um, never touch another human being. For sure. Um, and so we also find out that she has autism and uh, specifically Asperger's, which she even, I think, in the first chapter or one of the chapters admits that that's not really the term they use anymore. But that's what she was sure. diagnosed with. Um but she also has a very successful career working with data as a, an econometrician. And at this point, Hope, can you just, for because I'm going to bring you in a couple of times with this one. Awesome. Can you just at this point describe what an econometrician is? I would love to. This category of my research is titled, What the Heck is That? Which is I'm, what I thought when, when I, I thought. <laughs> when I hear the word econometrician, it's too close to dietrician. Or pediatrician? pediatrician electrician i don't know i that seems like it went out, off a little bit but there's something that makes me feel like it has to do with eating because it sounds like dietitian to me yes it absolutely does not um i looked up info for this from ZipRecruiter, uh predominantly from ZipRecruiter. also have some information from glassdoor um and i'm i, I guess i want to specify quick don't give me the numbers yet because i know i asked you for numbers i would like to pull that later yes absolutely i am specifically referring to my what the heck is that research thank you so to understand also obviously not an expert disclaimer for like the fifth time in this episode um I am most certainly not any kind of a math expert, nor would I consider myself an economy expert, which are the two foundational bodies of information you need to be an econometrician. This is so, this is the last time we will give this warning and then just go forward assuming we are not an expert in literally anything. Right. Assume I am an absolute fool. And yeah. You assumed correct. I'd be out here fooling clown full clown full clownery <laughs> anyway so to understand what an econometrician is and does we need to know what econometrics are because spoiler alert that's what they practice so condensing the words down a little bit more i think reveals a little more of what this is like econometrician sounds weird as we've discussed but econometrics is a little more mathy yes. and economy um basically Econometrics uses uh, economic theory, gross math, couldn't be horrible, me. statistical inference, <laughs> absolutely not, to understand and uh, quantify economic phenomena. So basically, in other words, it takes theoretical economic models and then uses that as a tool for policymaking and kind of predicting what the economy is doing a little bit, but mostly to, to make policy around what it may do. 
Yeah. Um, and yes. in her case, she talks specifically about using this data to make trends as it mm-hmm. pertains to certain industries or certain sales of products. Um, so like there's this whole subplot about her trying to figure out why more women are buying underwear for men than men buying underwear for themselves. And it you find out that it's because, first of all, I feel like there is some deep layer of like sexism in there, sure. but I'm not going to get into that because that's not what's said in the book, but it's kind of like, okay, if you love a man, you're going to go buy him his underwear. I don't know why that's a subplot, but it is. Interesting. I <laughs> I have nothing to add to that, uh, but I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. Yes. So now that we know econometrics are using theories and math and inferences to uh, understand and quantify economic phenomenon, something we all definitely have retained and will not forget um, and do understand. Uh, an econometrician uses basically math and stats to find real world applications um, and economic and yeah, for economic analysis. So an econometrician usually studies economics. Uh, there are a few ways you can do this. Uh, re- ZipRecruiter said that some people will get a bachelor's in economics and then maybe do a master's in uh, mathematics. And then you would specialize specifically in econometrics. Oh my gosh. Sure. Uh, couldn't be me. Could, Could be, be us. you if you want to. Um, it is different from an economist, which is a thing I have actually heard of. Yes. <laughs> um, and so economists focus more on how human behavior impacts production and resources in a society, whereas an econometrician would focus more on using data analysis. Um, it's it's not quite the same focus. It's not like a behavior focus. Yeah. It is, it is more using a model of what could happen and then and then trying to make policy from there. So back to our main girl, Stella. She... Like I said, she's very, very successful at her career as an econometrician, Um, but she's so secluded that she has been turning down promotions because she doesn't want the interaction with more subordinates. She feels more comfortable interacting with data. And so- Honestly, relatable. I also hate I. It's not the same. I know that's not the same as her thing. (laughs) I hate people as we host the podcast. Um. But she's she's such a workaholic that after this conversation on a Saturday or Sunday, she goes into work because she works her weekends and she runs into her coworker Philip, who's a mega douchebag. He's yeah. literally picking up a box of condoms he left at work because he was going to go on a date with a woman who is the company intern. Ew. which just and like at one point Stella like kind of points out to her, like isn't she like fresh out of po- like undergrad and he's like yeah but blah, 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 blah. and you're just like gross S-M-H. the massive ick also I mean I guess that's your business what I will say is not really a reason for you to have to bring condoms to work could no. conduct that activity anywhere else no I think it was a situation where like he had bought them and then left them at work it wasn't like a undertone of he was having sex at work where here's a question where do they work and why would he not have just purchased them in his spare time hey and take hey them hope home? hey hope that's not the point should i have could, written the book no could, the answer is no could 
could this just be a situation that we're putting ourselves in just so the reader knows that he's yeah, a douchebag? Yes. Um, but Stella, so Stella and him are talking and he makes comments about like, when was the last time you had sex? Which somebody call HR on this man. Yeah, what the fuck? Somebody, <laughs> you cannot ask that of your coworkers. No. Um, and Hope and I were coworkers and we definitely asked each other these questions, but we are also best That's friends. That's different. We're <laughs> friends. We are friends. Different. Um, but then he kind of makes a comment that was like, maybe you're bad at sex and you need more practice. And like oh. Stella takes this to heart because of course she's like not reading this as like necessarily like the worst comment in the world. And she's like, you know what? That's actually a smart idea. Maybe oh. I do need to practice sex, which well, women do whatever you want. But I don't, don't ever let them practicing make. sex. I do have a problem with this piece of shit being like, yes, maybe you need to do it more. Yes. So she sits down and opens an app and she's like, you know what? If I can nail down really good sex, then I can nail down a really good boyfriend. Um, and so now in our think, I think this is like the second or third chapter, we switch to Michael, who is our super hot Vietnamese Swedish stunner, which oh. and it, it is constantly referred to that he looks like a K-pop star. Ooh. Um, and I just oh so hot. Um, but he has two envelopes that he is holding and he can't decide whether or not to open the bill envelope, like the one that's a bill or the one that's a STD screening, Oh, <laughs> which man. one to open first. What a tough day. Because turns out our man is a male escort. Um, and he oh. refers to himself as an escort. So I'm going to refer to him as an escort, but it is very sure. clear. He is a sex worker. Yes. Um, so turns out he's his STD or STIs, however you want to refer to, um, are clear. They're good. Yes. So he Get can tested. go out that Friday night with the client who booked him, very who nice. is a woman named Stella. And she, uh, says she's 30 on her like little application, but mm -hmm. he's like, all my clients are like middle aged to older. And so clearly this woman lied about her age and he, it makes it clear. And we are not sex shaming and we support those who are in the sex yes. industry. Sex work who, is work just yes. in case we needed to say that out loud. We are supporting those who are um, very ethical in the sex industry. Um, but it's very clear that Michael does not want to be working in the sex industry. Sure. This is a means to an end for him. And he does not feel good doing it. Um, so as a part of that, you also hear that there are some, maybe some underlying daddy issues, which we'll get into later. Mm. But he also is like, he's doing this to pay bills and you don't know what the bills are for yet. But he says that he uses this certain fantasy to get through his, like meetings with clients and oh. what type of fantasy do you think this man is using <laughs> these questions are always great i want everyone to know that in my head i'm always trying to balance what i think is a reasonable answer and what i think is the funniest thing i can think of um i will i will bring you down to earth a little bit it you. is not super outlandish this is a very common um fantasy sure. trope that people have on the one hand, I wanted it to just be convenient. Like maybe he's just super into the economy and math. It's I mean, not, I he, don't actually think that's He correct. does admit later he loves smart girls and it's because of this fantasy. Oh, so <laughs> that would lead me to like a, oh no, I don't want to like a, it's like a, like a, 
Oh, okay. No, my no, first, no. Walk my first thought was student teacher. My second thought was like tutor student. Okay. Yes, but he makes it clear it's like a hot for professor scenario college. because yes. college. Hot we for are professor. Okay, when there are no minors involved. Okay. Um, Ooh. Yes, and so he does have like a hot for professor scenario he loves to run through his head when he's doing these client meetings because live it's your like fantasy baby the only thing so when he arrives at the restaurant he's instantly surprised to see an th- actual 30 year old woman sitting there and she's beautiful um she is described i believe she's described as uh of asian descent Um, but I just want to be clear that they don't ever get into specifics. We do get into specifics about Vietnamese culture later. Um, but, uh, quick question for my own tally purposes. Did we get an eye color description? I don't know. I don't know if we did. Sorry. Don't worry. (laughs) She's just making sure from this point forward and for every book where it's available, I will be keeping track of eye colors. Okay. I will try and come I deeply care about. I know, but I think there is brown eye color representation in this book. Um, cool. So she says she, he notices she's very particular about what foods to order or drinks or whatever. She's, she's very aware that this is going to be a physical interaction and she doesn't want to eat fish or she doesn't want to have this type of a drink or not too much garlic or onion. Right. Right. Um, but, and he kind of finds this as quirky and fun, but then she comes to him and says, I have a proposition for you. I want to practice sex with you over the coming weeks and months. So I want to be like coming weeks and months. Yes. I want to be a regular client with you. And he kind of jokes like you should do a trial run before proposing that type of a deal. And he also comments that he only does this Friday nights. He does not do this any other night of the week. Okay. Set your own schedules. Take care of yourselves. Yeah. Self-employment is really great. We love somebody who's their own boss. Be your own boss. So they go up to the hotel room and he, they start like slowly kind of gradually getting into things and he takes off his shirt. She sees his tattoo, which she finds very great. Apparently, and later on, you will find out he has, I think, a dragon tattoo or Ooh. a bird. But he, she likes licking it. Sure. I mean, if you have an animal tattoo, what is it there for if not licking? I've got a bug tattoo. It's on my arm. Would you be weird to lick. <laughs> it would be weird to lick a bug tattoo. But, but it's there. It is there for any licking opportunities. They take it very, very slow. And they finally get into kissing. And when he slips his tongue in, she is like, she literally says that it feels like a shark getting its teeth cleaned by a pilot fish. Oh. Interesting. Uh, is that good? No. She okay, finds good. It very I didn't weird. think so. But I really, I needed to check because I and wasn't he- sure. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, and like, he thinks this is just kind of a funny remark. And he's like, look, just relax and enjoy the feeling, right? So they're really trying to ease in. all that, sir. Mm -hmm. They're very much trying to ease in and she freezes up. So he decides, hey, let's take it even slower. So let's cuddle and watch a movie. And she's like, I hate cuddling. And he was like, "Uh, well, we've got to start somewhere. And they do it nearly naked. So they're in undies um and cuddling just to kind of get used to the feeling well she falls asleep mm-hmm. and the next morning they talk and sh- they talk about the deal she suggested and he confesses that he doesn't see clients after one night otherwise they get too attached and he's gotten some crazies in the past which my thought is you just had a conversation with this woman downstairs and she makes it clear she wants to have 
repetitive meetings with you and right. you already know you're not going to meet up with her more than once. So why would you even go upstairs? This is a whole conversation that never needed to happen. You could have just been like, just so you know, I only ever see people one night because I'm just so lovable. Well, he's had some crazies in the past. He's sure. avoiding it, right? I can I can imagine. But I mean, he is super hot. So, And it's sure. also mentioned that he has an eight pack, not just a six pack, which... Oh. That's such a classic. Extra. It's such a classic. We are going to make the men over the top for the rom-com situation, right? I He's always what the tall. maximum number of packs one could physically have is. I'm sure we could Google that. TBD. Um, he, uh, again, like he could have told her this before going up to the hotel room. But then she asks, okay, I understand, but, like, do you have any colleagues that you would recommend that would be willing to do this with me? And he's like, no, this is, like, you shouldn't be ordering an escort. This isn't the most savory business, which, sure, okay, but obviously this is coming from him being a little bit jealous, too. He's like, I don't want her to continue doing this. And at one point he does say, like, girls like you have boyfriends. They don't need escorts. And she's like, I need a boyfriend, though. So he leaves the hotel room and then five minutes later knocks on the door and is like, okay, fine. I will do three <laughs> sessions with you. I love like, a trope that is someone insisting they won't do something, them leaving, and then moments later turning around and showing back up to be like, fine. <laughs> Which if you listen to our first podcast and it was that scene with Brendan and Piper in the um, grocery, grocery store, store, it was like him like making fun of her the whole time about needing help in the grocery store and then turning back and being like, fine i'll help you pick out your groceries and she's like really like he had just told her up and down how he wasn't going to help her and now he's helping her so um there is a conversation with his cousin kwan and it's revealed that michael's mom is sick with something oh, no. um so and i'm pretty sure everybody can kind of put together later we find out it is cancer so um the next time stella and michael get together stella comes with a checklist do you want to guess what's on the checklist? I hope it's like positions and acts that it she would sure, like to that she would like to achieve. It sure is. It literally has a list that goes hand job lecture and demonstration, Ooh. hand job practice, performance review, and then it continues to go from there. It's uh, not dissimilar to when I was in elementary school, I took ice skating lessons and I had a little booklet of skills that I learned. And when I learned them, they would put like a little sticker yes. on it to indicate I'd learned it. But precisely, but more interesting than ice skating. And at one point he like is feeling a little belittled by this list and is like kind of makes fun of her for it. And she doesn't pick up that he's made kind of a slam towards her. And so then he, she like, is like, oh, do you want me to change the wording? And Bo, and he's like, no, 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 sorry. Like, just that was an offhand comment. And he kind of realizes that was douchey of me. Mm -hmm. And obviously she did not pick up on that. Right. So th this is now the point that made me say, I need to use this for the podcast. Because yes. the following, sh she strips down and actually takes off her bra mm -hmm. this time. And he sees her boobs for the first time. And his mm -hmm. internal dialogue says, quote, she had the kind of nipples men and babies dream about. <laughs> well, I just look. have to say one thing. Keep the babies out of it. When you are talking about <laughs> boobs in a sexual way, stop talking about it in reference to babies. That is that my is... one hang up. 
Leave that's, the minors out of this. That's a way you could have described it. <laughs> then he goes on to say, um, because she's now sitting on his lap, quote, she wasn't careful. Sorry, quote, if she wasn't careful, she'd poke out an eye with those things. Only in his line of work was blindness by nipple assault a true hazard. End quote. I can't, I guess I, look, Sarah didn't ask me to research sex work. I can't confirm whether it is a true life hazard to have your eyes poked out by nipples. I can probably guarantee you that that is not a thing. But again, I'm not an expert. I do know from my research in our first episode on king crab fishing, that it is not the first or second most dangerous profession. We can confirm. Um, not to say that sex work isn't dangerous. I, I can't, I just can't confirm that it's dangerous in the way of being blinded by nipples. During this fondling moment, he is feeling like he's not working because he doesn't need to use that fantasy to enjoy it. He's just enjoying being with her. I see. Yes. So this is where things start to progress. And she admits that she's not ready to do more. Like she kind of shuts him down and is like, like they start getting actually going with some of the sexual stuff. And she's like, no, 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 no. And then for some reason, he's like, you know what we should do next Friday to help you relax? Let's like go out dancing. Let's go get oh. some food and let's go dancing. Let's have some fun. Okay. And you can kind of get used to like the body and fluidity of this. Sure. Okay. So next Friday, before they go to the club, they go to an ice cream shop and he has a taste of her ice cream by sucking her face after she takes a bite. I I wasn't sure if it was just going to be like... They shared ice cream or if taste of her ice cream was going to be a fun innuendo. We could just no. Unfortunately, he just was like, here, let me try some of your ice cream. Right after she took a bite and he's like, sucks her whole face, sucks her face off in front of everybody in the store. And another customer has to tell him to break it up. So, um, to each their own, I guess. Yeah. So they go to the club and Stella suggests they sit in VIP because she looks at it and says, well, there's not a ton of people standing over there, right? Like right. I can get some room and some space. And he's like, oh, you have to pay for that. And she just drops her credit card. Okay, oh. sugar mama. So at this point, I just want you to quick tell us how much an econometrician makes because this is the point where we realize she makes quite a bit of money or has a lot of money. And I want to confirm after our situation with the first episode where Brendan was not actually making millions. I'm doing a little dance because I'm just kind of excited to do this research. This is the section of my research entitled, How Much Coin? Um, According to ZipRecruiter, as of May 28th, 2023, the average annual pay for an econometrician in the United States is $54,791 a year. I am about to go into not a lot of different details. This won't take long, but I just to clarify to the whole world, um, wild ranges for what an econometrician would get paid. Um, so ZipRecruiter has almost $55,000 a year, um, which is approximately 26, a little more than that dollars an hour or a little over a thousand dollars a week or about 4,000, a little over $4,000 a month. Um, ZipRecruiter reported the annual salaries could be as high as $128,500 and as low as $18,500. The majority of an econometrician's salary ranges between $31,500 and $64,000. 
ZipRecruiter said top earners, so people in like the 90th percentile of econometricians make around $100,000 annually across the United States. Um, but I found that was not a consistent finding because I also looked at places like Indeed and Glassdoor. Uh, they had averages of around or a little over $1,000. But it is important to note that each of those websites has very different ways of how they find average salaries. So um, Indeed reported that the average salary was around $100,000, but that was the average of 224 reported econometrician jobs. So a smaller sample set of people who did that as a job. Um, Glassdoor, I couldn't find the details on how they come up with their averages, but they have their own proprietary method of determining an average salary. So who could crack that nut? Certainly not me. All of that to say, uh, in my brief internet search, apparently you can make as low as $18,500 or as high as $128,500 a year. Let's just assume because she's so good at her job um, yeah. and that she's making six figures. Yes, she is one of the 224 people who reported making a salary of over $100,000 a year on Indeed.com. Nice. Well, thank you so much for that report. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Also, you didn't ask for this report, but I tried to do a research to see who had the most abs in the world. I found nothing reliable, but one man on YouTube claims he is the only man in the world with a 10-pack of abs. And a very hilarious website told me that a 12-pack is the biggest pack. Believe it or not, there have been some recorded occurrences of people with 12-pack ab muscles during autopsies. Relatively speaking, the chances of having a 12-pack is very small if you take the overall percentage of people that have other type of abs. <laughs> I, like, I would think that there's, like, a medical, like, you would look at the muscles and be like, you can only have this many. All you I need just Please don't take that as being factually accurate information. I sincerely Googled who has the most abs and then the two top results were the funniest things I could have imagined and I had to share. <laughs> if if you have learned anything from this podcast, it's that Hope and I are not experts in nearly no. anything and that no. you could maybe have 12 packs of abs. 12, 12 ab packs. I don't know. Anyway, so we are now in this club, right? And Michael's cousin, Quan, who we had met earlier very briefly, um, by the way, he gets his own book. So just like I did with side characters in the first nice. one, I'm not going to talk about him much. He has his own book. It's fine. Um, so Michael's cousin comes up and it was like, oh, so you do have a girlfriend? Like, because he had kind of been teasing him about like, where are you every Friday night? And then he sees him at the club and he's like, oh, okay. Like, you've been lying to me. You have a girlfriend. Um, and these, You only these, see her on Fridays. <laughs> totally apparently. Um, But Quan uh, is like, doesn't know about the escorting, obviously. And so it becomes very apparent also during the situation, during these conversations that are happening, that Stella is getting very overstimulated sure. between the crowd of people, the, the led lights flashing mm -hmm. on and off. Uh, maybe there's a smoke show going on and the DJ's going. And then um, there's just like all this wildness going around her. and yeah, she's just lot. trying to like, essentially what I talked about earlier, which is like mask, right? You're trying to like, Okay, this is not overwhelming me. Whatever. I am so, fine and normal. I am fine. Um, and so 
at the bar, there's this older woman who signals for Michael to come over and sit next to her. And Michael is like, okay, I'll be right back. And Quan and Stella are looking at him like, the hell are you doing? Going and essentially like hanging out with a woman in front of your girlfriend. So Quan kind of tries to placate Stella and say like, it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Don't worry about it. Well, then like two seconds away from that, Michael like the woman kisses Michael and obviously this coming from a mile away. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The woman kisses Michael and Stella is like, I can't handle this and decides to run, but she's getting caught up in the crowds and Quan takes her hand and says, Hey, let me lead you out back. So he takes her to the um, alleyway and like, she's like about to vomit. She's, you know, can't handle it. And, he asks her what's wrong. And she's like, I think I just got overstimulated. And Quan says, my brother used to get overstimulated just like this. He's autistic. And oh. then Quan puts it together that she has autism, but Michael doesn't know. And she's like, don't tell Michael, please. And so Michael finds them in the alleyway and assures her that like the woman's advances were not wanted that, and like it's still kind of left. Why the hell did you go over to this woman? Yeah. Like, why did you even go over to her in the first place? Right. So hold on to that. I'm gonna note now, really quick, that they go to her car and drive back to her place. And it is noted multiple times that she drives a Tesla, which I hate when they date rom-coms, even yeah. contemporary rom-coms like this, and they'll put things that are very trendy in it. And like yeah. if you mention somebody has a Ford truck or like a Chevy or whatever, sure. like those have been around long enough that you're like, okay, those are staple, right? That doesn't put me in a certain time frame. But mm-hmm. if you mention a certain type of cell phone or a certain type of social right. media or a certain trend that's happening, I'm <laughs> going to automatically like discount this book. Right. Uh, she pulled out her Motorola Razor. Yes. Oh my gosh. Throw me Incredible. back to 2007. So it's mul- it's multiple times we find out she drives this Tesla. And I don't know if that's supposed to show she has money, which she, it just makes me. She do be me, whipping a Tesla though. It gives me crypto bro vibes and I yeah. can't. Um, so during the drive home, Michael reveals that the woman at the bar was his crazy ex-client he had previously talked oh, about. So he... Yeah was trying to prevent a scene being made because she was going to go batshit crazy. And so, so through this interaction, Stella realizes that she instead doesn't need to be practicing sex, but be practicing actual relationship stuff. She needs to be practicing going on dates, going and being around other people, like meeting people's families and stuff. So she says to him, you know what we should do? Take the sex off the table because I'm hoping if I, if I fall in love with somebody and like, I get really good at the relationship stuff that the man who's with me can work on the sex stuff with me. Sure. That is already and faster than I anticipated way more reasonable than the first boy. <laughs> yeah. And so she says at one point, quote, the next time a man kisses me, I need him to do it because he wants to insinuating. She's like, I am paying you. Like I True. need to feel like I am wanted physically and emotionally and then she says hey i will i want you to be my fake boyfriend for the next like three six months um no sex and i'll give you fifty thousand dollars to do it um and then she's like you can have a couple days to think about it i almost related to this once in elementary school someone paid my crush a quarter to date me for one minute very similar circumstances and this is where we go to therapy corner where we talk about (laughs) hopes 
um deep rejection trauma <laughs> deep-seated trauma um that is traumatizing when you went to elementary school i didn't know where we were going with that story but i'm so glad you finished that <laughs> just sentence. that someone had to be paid a quarter to date me for one minute on a bus a quarter fifty thousand. <laughs> i don't even think we sat, i don't even think we sat next to each other i would also like to clarify one time I told my parents when I was in the sixth grade, I had a boyfriend who is now very out and gay and very proud of him. Um, I was dating him in the sixth grade and I told my parents that uh, they said, well, do you go on like dates and whatever, like kind of making fun of me? And I was like, mm-hmm. no, you just see each other and blush in the hallway. And I was like, <laughs> I thought that was like the, I thought that was like the epitome of accuracy, which to be fair now, I'm like, that was funny, Sarah, but at the same time, accurate. Yes. It's it is my most used tactic when flirting with people. So just look, blush, just looking and blushing. Find out, you know, fifteen years later that they're a gay man and very proud and happy for them. Um, so she is a rich, successful woman who does not do her own chores, right? So she hears from her. I don't know if it's like a cleaning lady type figure that they can't come into work today, so she needs to go drop off some uh clothes to be dry cleaned by herself and she's like i've never picked out a place because i've always had somebody do this for me and by the way on a side note there's this recent trend where people are like hey you don't have to be super rich to get things done that you just personally don't want to do so like there was a woman on tiktok who was like explaining that she has she's like i don't make a ton of money but I'm also single and childless and I decide to spend my money on a personal assistant who will sure. take care of like the errands and stuff I need to do a couple times a week. And I'm like, yes, treat yourself to what I you want. That. It's your money. It's grown up money. It's your money and you need it now. So it, <laughs> thank you. Um, and so she, so that, that gives me this vibe, right? Like me, even if she's making a hundred thousand, hundred twenty thousand dollars she's kind of like, right. you know what? I'm going to pay for that cleaning lady situation because I don't want to do it. So she like pulls up her apps and starts looking up on Yelp where she should go for dry cleaning. And she goes to a dry cleaning tailoring place. And what do you think she finds there? Michael? She sure does. Michael's (laughs) wearing a measuring tape around his neck. He's got a needle in his hand and he's hemming a woman's outfit. That's cute. Turns out this is Michael's family's shop. And she like stands there for a second because he hasn't seen her. And he's, she's like, oh my gosh, I look like the crazy ex-client because it looks like I stalked him. Um, but then after the shock wears off because they both see each other, um, it's revealed that, yes, he has been tailoring his own clothes because he looks great every time they see each other. And it also is revealed later on that she has some like sensory issues around different textures of clothing. So she's really particular about what she wears and she's kind of like, Michael, make me clothes. That becomes a subplot, a very, very, very small subplot that he like makes her clothes, whatever. That's nice. Um, so after they talk about that deal, she had proposed, he accepts it. And she was just like, and he's like, just want to make sure you wanted sex off the table. Right. And she's like, yes. He, and he's like, yeah. Okay. You said you wanted the next guy to kiss you to be because he wanted to. And she's like, yes. And then he kisses her. <laughs> Very, cute. Very cute. cute. Love it. Um, by the way, surprise, she meets his mom and grandma because well, they're in the shop. Uh, mom invites adorable. her to dinner. 
So it's important to now note that there are multiple parts of Vietnamese culture intertwined with this book because of mom's or sorry, Michael's mom's side of the family. Um, His dad is out of the picture, which we'll get into in a little bit. But there's a lot of things referencing food and language and certain customs. And so I feel like they do. I'm not going to get into all of that, but they do a really, really cool job as somebody who doesn't know a lot about Vietnamese culture to learn about it in this book. Um, And even from... uh, um, there's like different types of like sports they even do. And I can't remember all of the the stuff that like they do for workouts and whatnot anyway, but it is revealed that Michael's mom has cancer and she has been getting treatment. And so um, while she comes over for dinner that night, right. And they're getting ready for dinner and there's a bunch of things kind of piling on top of each other. Okay. So she walks in and he has five sisters five sisters that are all kind of bickering over each other and they're all talking 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 and then his mom and michael are working on cooking the food and Mm -hmm. stella's really hyper fixated on the fact that the mom keeps heating up plastic containers which she's like this is unhealthy you shouldn't do that for like scientific reasons and like the mom's trying to kind of blow her off and she's like no like so she kind of gets hyper fixated she thinks she's being helpful by telling michael's mom that And she thinks she's being helpful by telling Michael's mom, like, hey, you shouldn't be heating that up. And Michael's mom is kind of reading it as, okay, you're, this is a little offensive that you're telling me what to do in my kitchen, but I'll tolerate it because you're a nice girl and you're, you're, you're dating my son. So she also, there's the grandma in the living room who's listening to the TV and she keeps turning up the volume on the TV because the, the girls are bickering right. and then it's just like one thing after another and it's becomes sensory overload. And at the same time, um, she figures out that like Michael's dad is out of the picture and she keeps kind of asking about the dad and she's not picking up on the social cues that no one wants to talk about the dad. Right. So sure. she keeps digging and digging and being like, Oh, you don't know where he is. Like, have you filed a missing persons report? Why oh, don't you sure. know where your husband is? And like, she's coming from a place of concern, but mm-hmm. it is very clear. She's not reading the social cues in this situation. Right. She's thinking very practically about it. Yes. She's thinking, and it's coming from a caring place. And so, um, Michael's mom kind of snaps and says, she can't file for divorce from a man. She can't find, she can't file a missing persons report for a man who she, she doesn't know where he is and she doesn't know if he wants to be found because apparently he like conned people out of money, I think. And then like skipped town with another woman. Oh no, that's terrible. So she's kind of still married to this guy. And like, that's where all of Michael's deep seated, like abandonment issues come from. Mm -hmm. So then Michael's mom leaves the dinner table and starts crying. And like Stella then thinks she ruined everything and runs out. So Michael goes and talks to the mom and it's clear, like her tears are from her own emotions, not necessarily being mad at Stella. It's like, I hate that. Like I'm dealing with cancer and that like we Mm -hmm. have bills to pay. And that I can't work. I haven't been working in the shop as much as I should. And that Michael had has to work in the shop and that, you know, I don't know where my husband is. And like, I still have this somewhat love for him, but I don't know where he is. Right. And so he decides, you know what, I am going to talk to her later. I'm going to fix this all tomorrow. Okay. So the next day Stella comes back to the shop and Michael isn't there. And she says, I'm not here for Michael. I'm here for Michael's mom and she brings a little gift and apologizes to her and like of course Michael's mom's like well will you come back for dinner and then 
she thinks again that this is all done. So she like runs out. Meanwhile, Quan and Michael are working out, doing some type of sword workout. And I don't want to, I don't want to say what name because I'm going to say it wrong, but they're doing a sword workout and they really, huh? I said, cool. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know you could do sword workouts. And I think it sounds rad. It's like a certain type of sport and I'm going to say it wrong. Um, But uh, Quan's brother, Kai, who has autism is also there. And Michael's watching Kai and it's very clear. He has a certain system of doing his workouts, right? It's got to be this amount of times. It's got to be this way. And then Michael puts it together that Stella has autism, right? He's trying to put together the pieces and he surprises her at work that night and convinces her to come back to his mom's. And because he's like, you're not going to eat in the office on a, you know, on a work night. You just come over to my mom's and she'll take care of you. And she's like, well, I got to admit, it was like really overstimulating last time. And I don't know if I can handle it. And he said, don't worry, I've got you covered. And it turns out the next time they go into the house, it's all quieter. Everybody's a lot more sensitive to and like, you know, they're making dinner without plasticware. It's all fine. (laughs) Um, so then they have a good dinner. The family loves her. They leave and they get caught making out in the car, um, Ooh. by one of the sisters. And it's kind of relatable. There are a couple times when she, he kind of like gropes her in the house, like with his family, right in the, which I'm like, mm, get a room, Mm-mm. get a room. Mm-mm. You guys are functioning adults. You can wait. Um, so it also should be mentioned that they're like borderline living with each other due to this new agreement. And so he's going to be at like out of her house 24 seven. Interesting. So the next morning they're fooling around and he notices how turned on he, she gets. And he says, quote, you're like a Lamborghini zero to 60 in 2.7 seconds. If a man compared me to a car. It's not my personal favorite. Hasta luego. We're not doing that. So we're not doing that. <laughs> he then gives her oral sex, which then leads to full sex. Um, no, there's a lot of commonalities um, of their conversations in which they talk about her feeling like him giving oral sex to her is a burden on him, which I think a lot of it's just very relatable. Right? That's like, very relatable. We have all been told as a society that like women should not be given pleasure in certain sexual scenarios because mm-hmm. it always should be focused on the man. And he, they have conversations kind of around this where he makes it clear, like, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy this being a mutual experience. Like that's what this should be cool. from the beginning. So, yes. and this is where Sarah gives a lecture on how romance and smut books do a great job of reversing the conversation about sexual interactions. And we need to flip the switch on that. You know, women deserve to have pleasure and have good experiences in sex. So I'm doing a celebratory dance because it's all true. It's absolutely true. So this is a full sexual experience. She's like, wow, that was incredible. I've never had sex like that. Um, And it's now becoming clear that the lines are blurring, right? Where she feels like this doesn't mean anything to him because he's getting paid. He thinks she's too smart and too good for him and that she will dump him after the lessons are done. So this is where kind of the internal monologues go awry. Sure. You got to communicate, guys. You got to just talk to each other. You got to communicate. And so it's soon revealed that Michael actually went to fashion schools 
and he dreams of starting his own fashion brand. And he Fun. even got, yeah. And he even got on a really big reality TV show for fashion. Like I would think like, um, what's the runway one? Uh, Project Runway. Project One. I'm thinking Project Runway. But then he turned it down because his mom got sick and he felt like he needed to be at the store for her and stuff and pay for her stuff. It also becomes very obvious that Michael is working at the shop and then doing this escorting to help his mom. Right. Right. Um, There's another sex scene where he takes off uh, her underwear and says, I'm keeping these, which I would just want to note that is too frequent of a notion in smut books. The men are just taking the underwear and keeping them. Also, sometimes you want to put those back on. And also, I just think there's also this other notion that men rip off the underwear, like just rip them. And I would be like, okay, I probably have like one pair of like no show panties that are, you know what I mean? That are really thin material because they're no shows. Maybe you could rip that. The fact that these women are wearing these types of underwear so that are so easily rippable. So easily ripped. Where are you buying these? And sometimes in these books, they'll mention like, hey, you need to buy me a new pair of underwear then. Like, you can't just keep ripping my underwear. Yeah. First of all, knock that shit right off. Second of all, yeah, let's get some higher quality underpants. In general, don't steal them because they tend to be very expensive. I yeah. guess also I hadn't considered that unlike in the real world, this man could have at least 12 abs. So maybe he is strong enough to rip them He off. well, he's not using his abs to pull them off. So I don't know. Just, he's got to have like the he might be arm. really buff. Well, that's true. He he's working with a sword too. And I did not mean true. that as an innuendo. But he's um, also working with a sword. He, yes, he is. And Sweet. also I want to This is like the book of like terrible references to body parts because then he refers to his her nipples specifically as quote candy nipples. Hmm. Interesting. Sure. And then In what he, way? <laughs> like a couple paragraphs later, he's like, "Your nipples are so sweet. Your body is so sweet." And I was like, uh. "If a man referred to my nipples as candy nipples, I would literally stop the whole shebang and be like, what?" It might not have been as bad if you'd started with talking about how sweet her body was and then maybe call yes. her candy nipples, but like walk us to the analogy. Wow. Don't just slap us in the face with it, right? No, don't teleport me into this crazy sugar tits world. You gotta sure. guide me in with more innuendo. Literally walk me to the water and make me drink. <laughs> um, okay, so then after this sexual because there's a lot of sex i will say there's a lot of sex scenes in this book and i thought it was going to be more hallmarky than it is um and then we mentioned candy nipples and poking eyes out with nipples and i can't um but there's a moment when she confesses to him that she's obsessed with him like she's like it is a part of my nature to become obsessed with things and to hyper fixate on things and i am becoming obsessed with you and i worry that i'm going to become the crazy ex-client because i don't want this to end and then we just don't talk about this. Like, oh. he just is like, great, and then makes out with her. Like, there's no discussing the fact that she just validated his fear of having a crazy ex-client. Even, and he didn't, like, placate her by saying, it's okay because I'm also obsessed with you. You know? Right. Perfect opportunity to be like, that's good to hear. I wasn't sure if you were just going to pay me and end this relationship. But now that I know that you like me, we can just date for real. Yes, that would be, we would have cut a hundred pages off this book. I was going to say the book would have ended too soon. And then remember that douchey coworker, Philip? Couldn't forget him. Well, his mom is friends with Stella's mom. And Stella's mom is like hosting a charity event because of 
whatever. And so <laughs> both their families are going to be at this event. And so Philip tries to go to sell and say, Hey, you should go to this event with me. And she says, I'm sorry, but like, I'm already going with another guy that I've been seeing and which is Michael. Mm-hmm. And Phillips confesses he's always wanted Stella. He's like, all those times I was kind of douchey to you. It's because I liked you. And I hate the mentality that I was mean to you because I liked you. Yeah. Hey, first of all, if if that's a thing, knock that shit right off. Second of all, that's an ineffective way of communicating that you like a person. And then at one point he tells her in this whole like confession that she's always been a 10 in his book, blah, blah, blah. He thinks they'd be a perfect fit. And then he kisses her and she runs away from him and she gets to the tailor shop and she goes into the bathroom and pukes. And Fair. Michael Common was like, girl, why do you just come in here with a green face like that? And why are you puking in our bathroom? And she confesses to Michael about the kiss from a coworker. She just says it's a coworker, right? Yeah. And he finds like, he finds this obviously very threatening. He was like, I'm going to beat the shit out of that guy, which toxic masculinity possessiveness but mm-hmm. whatever and then he's like actually i'm not gonna beat him up i'm just gonna calm you down because this is clearly stressing you out yeah better option <laughs> better option chose the better of the two sides of that coin so what else is there to do than have sex in the bathroom of your family's store right after you throw up yep and of course she's like let me brush my teeth let me brush and he's like nope we're doing this right here right now so Some Mike, people can puke and rally. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. Some people can. And couldn't so Michael and Stella go to the charity event. Stella's wearing a dress that Michael designed for her, by the way. <gasps> Very cute. Um, and Philip is being his asshole self, per usual. And his mom arrives. Who do you think his mother is? Given the limited characters that we've given you. Yeah, I know. Who is his mom? Who have we, who have we met? We haven't met that many people. I know we haven't met that many people. Who would be an older woman that would play a role? Is she an old client? She is the woman from the bar that uh, kissed Michael uh, and is the crazy it runs in the family that they just force kiss people. Gross. They mega ick. And so she is so jealous about this situation of Michael being at this event with Stella and age appropriate, which we love an age gap. We don't judge as long as it's an appropriate age gap. Um, But it's kind of like this sets her off. And all of a sudden, like she puts Michael on blast for being an escort in front of everybody, including her son, which I find really weird. And the son is like gross. Um, (laughs) It's it's not how I would have shared that secret with my child, I guess. And I just think to myself, like, look, I can imagine it being like, I don't know if you ever watched Fifty Shades of Grey, which that's a horrible smut book and is poor representation of the BDSM community. But there's a moment in that where she pulls him aside and like starts threatening him privately. And it's like, that's how you do it. Like threaten you in private. If threaten in private, don't put him on blast in front of everybody. Cause then you just outed yourself as somebody who is hiring a younger man for sex. And which is fine, but it is something but you told everybody in front of your son, in front of your son. Anyway. So obviously her parents are standing right there. The dad is freaking out. It's not ideal. Michael, Mr. Michael is like, I'm now super insecure because like, 
I am not going to meet the needs of this incredible woman because she is too successful and too great for me. I'm going to run out. It's going to be a Cinderella moment. And she meets him in the garden on his way out. And he's like, hey, I, I'm practically like my father. I am not good for anything. And I guess like you find out later that apparently his dad said he was only good for his pretty face, which like obviously would have some deep seated issues. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, yeah. And so he makes a comment that could have been interpreted by her as he pitied her and that's why he was with her. Right. And that's not, it was very an open-ended comment that I feel like, and I wish I had the direct wording in front of me, but it was very much like, okay, that's how she interpreted, but he didn't necessarily say that. Sure. So then they break up and he also leaves the $50,000 check out of her house, which good call. I mean, it's kind of, admittedly a little weird that you didn't immediately return that check when you were sort of real life dating, but yeah, whatever. So then there's a few chapters of moping before, because we obviously have to have a third act breakup. Gotcha. Um, but before Michael and his mom finally talk on the way to one of her uh, doctor's appointments, and she literally is like, you're an idiot for breaking up with such a wonderful woman, which apparently he's been kind of like the apple of his mom's eye because he's the only son. And sure. she's he's kind of like, uh, you never talk this way about me. Like, I well, you've never been this dumb before. And she Burn. says to him, quote, if you can't stand being with a woman who's more successful than you, then leave her alone. She's better off without you. Damn, mom. Damn, mom. Get it. Absolutely speaking truth here. Get um, some aloe vera on that sick burn. <laughs> so, so they get to the hospital and the one of the nurses in front is like, oh, yeah, you qualify for this new special funding for people who doesn't don't have great insurance. And he's like, OK, wh what's the, you know, what's the fine print here? I don't understand where, where the other shoe is going to drop. And she's like, right. no, no, no. This is literally like a donation program that the hospital has started that your family qualifies for. So we can help pay for your bills. And That's then nice. they go inside and it finds out that uh, her, she has great results on her cancer treatment. And the doctor's like, yeah, she should be able to go back to work if she's feeling better. And she should have that stimulation in her life. Yay. Like, and mom. so mom turns to him and is like, yeah, so quit putting your dreams on hold for me. Okay. Yes. Fair anyway, point. Mom. In some, uh, during the uh, subplot of this is that Michael's sister has always wanted to be an econometrician, which can't relate, but can't um, relate. hadn't heard of it until you made me research it. So I can't yeah. say it was ever my dream. So then he, she applies for an internship at Stella's company and they try and set rules to allow like that are going to put away any concerns about special treatment, but it's very clear that this is special treatment because it's Michael's sister. Um, and in a super inappropriate job interview, Michael's sister tells Stella how miserable the man has been since they broke up. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out that Michael's daddy issues went deeper than he uh, initially had mentioned. And he was essentially being emotionally abused by his dad. The hey. whole time. 
all in one interview. (laughs) Those are the bases I cover when I'm applying for a job as well. (laughs) Nice. Well, then Michael, also, this is a subplot that gets into a book later. This is like setting up for a later book. But Michael decides to start his fashion brand with his cousin Quan as kind of like the the business side of things. And that's obviously Quan's whole storyline in his book. Sure. But uh, this is not really important. Okay, moving on. So Stella agrees to go for dinner with Philip because she's like, you're right. We do get along, I guess. I don't know how she came to that conclusion, but okay. Can't agree. So then Michael is walking down the street with Quan when he sees Philip try to kiss Stella. Weird coincidence that they are happen to be in the same place at the same time as this is happening. But obviously we are reading a rom-com. It does not matter. My disbelief is suspended. Thank you. Just like the condoms in the, uh, in (laughs) the workplace, just suspend all, all concerns. Um, so Michael punches Philip in the eye and Stella walks away and is like, I don't need you to take care of me. Also, this is hella toxic. So shut this shit down. That's true. You got to stop. Like, I understand wanting to punch this man. He does suck. But you can't, you can't just assault people. You can't do it. You can't do it. So Michael is like, but I love you. And then, well, he doesn't say I love you. But he's like, I care for you deeply. And I can't confess my feelings because I'm a man in a book. And so, uh, yeah. So then she just kind of walks away from him. But now he's like, I need a winner back. So he gets her flowers delivered to her work. And Philip tries to throw the flowers away because he still believes that Stella and him are dating. Like Stella and Philip are dating. And she's like, um, we were never really dating. But not, okay. not ever, actually. Also, he still has this black eye. And like the receptionist who had brought in the flowers is like, hey, let's go get ice for that black eye. Like, let's get you out of this room. And then there's some discreet touching that may show that the receptionist and Philip are together. Yeah. Okay, then just be with the receptionist. I, yeah, like... Why go through all of this? I don't know. But you save yourself a whole black eye. Does not matter. So each day that week, Michael calls her and asks for her for dinner. Each day she refuses. And then like one night, he is waiting for her in her work parking garage. And I'll just let that sit there and let you think about that one. I'm making a face you can't see, but it's pretty suspicious. It's cute until it's not cute until it's not cute until it's cute. You know what I mean? It's It's just... we can't both have old stalker clients and it to be totally fine for a man to just show up at your place of work unannounced in a dark garage like parking garage no i'm not picking that shit up have concerns um okay so then he says like they 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 like don't even talk about their issues before he just like kisses her and then all is forgiven it's like never mind then it's maybe one of the worst endings to a book i've read as far as anticlimactic um because he's like oh i'm just gonna kiss you and by the way i am going to be your boyfriend and in three months i'm going to propose to you because i know you hate surprises and i want to give you time to get used to the idea I appreciate that consideration and am simultaneously confused by the brevity of their relationship, but that is not my business. <laughs> Absolutely. So then it is also revealed that she had a $15 million trust fund that she used to set up a medical uh, program with the hospital. I yep. see. I see. He's like, like how do you find this all out? And it's like, okay, it's not rocket science, my dude. And it was pretty easy to figure out you were trying to pay for your mom's stuff right. um and, and i also, had a convenient magical trust fund 
And I had a trust fund. And he was like, well, how rich are you? And she's like, well, just not as rich anymore. Like $15 million less rich. Okay, Tesla owner. I don't know. I'm going to say, based on my brief research, perhaps most of the money comes from the trust fund. And a good amount, but not the same amount, comes from her job. Because that is a that is a wild net worth. Absolutely. I don't think I I think like if you're still making six figures, obviously you're making good money. But she could be very uh, astute investor. Yes. I hadn't considered investments. Yeah. So that's the end of our book. And obviously we're setting up the next book is actually not Kwan's book. It's Kai's book. And I have not uh, read that one yet. But the third one is Kwan's book. Um, and like I said, they all have to deal with different elements of diversity between the Vietnamese culture and the, um, the elements of autism that they address. Um, but that is kind of the end of our book. Um, book. interesting, mostly positive. So what are you giving the diversity? Um, I mean, compared to the previous two books we've talked about, pretty solid on the diversity scale. I think I'd give it like a, like a four. Okay. I'm actually going to give it a five. Um, what are you going to give the plot plot? I enjoyed the plot. Generally. I'll give that about four as well. I I liked this story. I am also going to give it a four. Um, I am also going to quick show you the cover, which if you want to give me a quick description of our cover, Ah, the cover. We are looking at a beautiful light blue background. Not a whole lot of detail to the background. On top of, um, oh, it's going to bug me that I can't remember what it's called. I can't the little, either. The little bracket you use for square doing like root? long division. No, it's not the square root, but it looks like a square root, right? No, it's like a long division. Okay, line. doesn't matter. It's a it's a nobody writes out math problems like this. Anyway, they're on top of one of those. We see a couple. They are hugging. They are kissing. Is that a trail of hearts coming out of them? No, it just says a novel. Sorry. Oh, I just can't, I can't read it. Um, there's a bunch of really tiny font on the top that I believe is a positive review of the book. I absolutely can't read yeah. it. And then it says the division bracket kiss underneath it quotient. It's cute. Yeah. It's a cute little, not, not too crazy, not a whole lot going on. So, so what would you give this cover? That's about a, that's about a mid three. It's not insane. It's not very exciting. It's cute, but there's not a lot of detail going on. Uh, I gave it a two. It's pretty plain for me. Yeah. There's um, not like a, a lot of background happening there. What are you going to give this smut level? I thought this seemed to me muddier than the first two books we've read so i'm gonna i'm gonna stick my pattern of fours and give it a four as well i'm gonna give it a four i know there are smuttier crazier things out there but true we will cover some of them not all of them so we have both given it a 75 percent, which is wow. fairly good compared to our really shitty ones lately <laughs> I feel like I gave it five stars, but I'm giving it 75%. Yeah. Our system could be better, but also could be worse. Maybe we'll improve it over time. Maybe we won't. What was your what the smut moment? Oh, man. I'm going to differentiate two different things. Because one isn't really smut adjacent. It's just the plot point. And one is a little more smut adjacent. So by what the smut, smut adjacent moment, I guess is just blanket every nipple reference. (laughs) 
Absolutely. I don't think anything anyone did was like super crazy and wild, but it no. was just a lot of very interesting nipple description. Um, my more plot what the smut moment is obviously the reveal of um, Philip's mom being the, the crazy client. It was a pretty fun yes. twister Rooney for me. I have to agree that the plot point that was very much there. Also, um, I have to say the I just the thing that I got so hung up on was com- saying that the nipples were ones of babies and men's dreams, and then also saying that the nipple was going to poke his eye out. I'm very concerned about the visual impairment. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, the risks of this job are hefty. But hey, that was our book. That Thanks. was. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. Before we let you go, we have and have had several social media platforms on which you can find us. First things first, um, as we've said, we have a whole list of books that we're looking into covering. Um, Sarah's been curating stuff that she's read that we want to go over. But if you have something that you'd like to recommend, we do have an email that you can send it to. It is saysmutpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram that is at Say Smut Podcast, a TikTok that is Say Smut Podcast, a Twitter that is at Say Smut Podcast, and a YouTube where you can watch us have this whole conversation, which is also at Say Smut Podcast. Well, you know, we learned a lot today. We, we learned did. about very serious things, and we learned about some not so serious things. And we hope all you and your candy nipples uh, have a great rest of your day. Your bodies are sweet and we love you. Goodbye.